Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the podcast here for St. Andrew's Community Church. We are a global Methodist congregation. We want to wish everybody a happy 2024. 2023 is in our rearview mirror, and that's really our plan today is to kind of give a recap. Every year, I like to do kind of a state of the church address to let people know uh, what happened last year and where are we and where are we going. Uh, but before we dive too deeply into that, I'll first of all say we are missing a piece today. Pastor Bonnie has a dentist appointment, a periodontist. I guess I, I don't know. I don't a fancy that, dentist. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know what that is. So she is not able to join us today, but uh, Pastor Josh is here, and I see you have a wise friend with you. Yeah, today. we've got Yoda joining us today. I thought since we're reflecting back on 2023 and the ways that God provided and moved this last year, that Yoda is in his wisdom was uh, in his old age was great at reflecting and reflection. And so I thought eh, it seems appropriate for Yoda to be a part of today's conversation. And, and his, his grammar and syntax was always, you know, you had to stop and think about it. So I find my normal grammar and syntax is something <laughs> people have to think about. Uh, and of course, the third man in studio with us today, our studio engineer, the man making this all happen, Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Well, I'm glad uh, 2023 is behind us and looking forward to 2024 here. You know, I, I think that that sums up a, a lot that people said. A lot of people, when you read on social media and stuff, are like, man, we can't wait for 2023 to be over. And uh, certainly our 2023 going into it, we knew was going to be a challenge, uh, which when I think back through some of this stuff, it, so much has happened. It's hard for me to remember. You've only been here about a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. June, <laughs> June 1st of 2022. Right. So and, yeah, a year and a half. And then Bonnie came on in October. So mm -hmm. she's just 14 months in, uh, and so coming into 2023, we had new staff uh, trying to help us figure out what to do as we're continuing to recover from the pandemic of 2020. You'd think, you know, here we are, you know, essentially three years at the end of that, that we'd be over it. But we still feel the effects of that. Uh, yeah. COVID, it feels like, is one of those things that it's kind of like the flu. Every year we may have to go get our COVID shot the way right. people get a, a flu shot. And so... Um, we, let, let, let's look back on 2023, and we're not trying to relive it. We want to celebrate it because uh, even in the midst of some difficulty, there was a lot to celebrate. And I, I'm excited because our congregation really found a new sense of purpose, a new sense of unity. Uh, we experienced the provision of God and God's movement in our church in ways that uh, helped us to recover from everything. And there were primarily two challenges that we faced. The first is at the end of 22, we chose to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church, chose to unite with a new denomination. That would be the Global Methodist Church. Uh, I can tell you that the provision that we exited the denomination actually ended December 31st. And if you're kind of wondering, you know, how did that work? Uh I want to say it was about 7,600 churches plus chose to disaffiliate. So we weren't alone. There were 127 churches in Oklahoma that disaffiliated. 50 of those have joined the Global Methodist Church, and so we're part of that. And then the other challenge was the flood. And so we're going to talk about each one of those individually. But before I get there, I should say uh, we always want the podcast to be interactive not just interactive between us, really uh, spiritually strong, good-looking, vibrant people that you see uh, each week. But also, <laughs> uh, if you have questions or comments or you want to give testimony to things we leave out, please uh, respond in the place you can do that on Facebook Live. Jeff will let us know if there's a question that we can address. But uh, Let's let's start off by talking about disaffiliation, and and I want to actually go back, Josh, to when you started, June first of twenty twenty two. We actually took our vote to disaffiliate as a congregation on September fifteenth. So that's what June, July, August, three and a half months in, 
and we're disaffiliating, but you were coming in, you were obviously in favor of disaffiliation, but, but what was it like coming in to a church that you knew drastic change was about to happen? Yeah, I mean, so part of it was excitement um, because I had been um, trying to leave the United Methodist Church for uh, several years and with doors closing and n- no opportunities and and things like that and, and not feeling uh, the sense that it was the right time or the right opportunity. Um, and so uh, coming into a church that was in that process of prayerfully discerning, getting to be a part of that discerning uh, process, um, it was there was excitement for me there because I had long sensed God calling me out of the United Methodist Church, mm-hmm. and so to be able to to do that um, along with a congregation uh, was uh, was great for for me and my family. But also it was it was wild. I mean, it, you know, you come into a new church and you 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 don't know traditions, you don't right. know people, you don't know anything. And so trying to learn that while also knowing that everything was changing and knowing that, you know, frankly, I could be building a relationship and getting to know someone that may very well leave two months later um, or whatever. It was it was it was wild. And as I reflect back on it, um, it was even uh, crazier than than I could have expected. But but, you know, God was so evidently involved throughout the whole process um, it, it, I was glad to, to be able to be a part of that, uh, but it was definitely a wild time to start <laughs> to start at a church. If, if you read the uh, local newspaper here in Oklahoma City, the Daily Oklahoma, there have been so many articles that have been posted on that. And one of the things that they continually talk about is the struggle of the United Methodist Church had to do with issues of human sexuality, you know, our you know, thoughts about the LGBTQIA+, I think is the latest acronym I've heard for that, uh, and the ordination of, uh, you know, self-avowed practicing homosexuals, marriage, all those issues that we continue to read about culturally and, and issues that have cultural acceptance are a place where the church has, uh, you know, struggled. And while I understand that that is the uh, perception most people have, I want to continue to emphasize that was not why we left the United Methodist Church. We uh, certainly had questions about the direction the church was going. We didn't necessarily uh, feel that the direction that was going was a direction that we felt Scripture supported. Um, Other churches I know of, when you talk to them, they'll say, no, we left because we didn't like the bloated hierarchy and bureaucracy of the United Methodist Church that we continued to fund, oftentimes at the detriment of our church being able to be in mission. Uh, We did that through connectional giving that was called apportionments. Um, There were other people, I know, well, the church you came to St. Andrews, or to the OU Wesley from, Asbury in Tulsa, uh, when I talked to their staff, they said, we hardly even talked about that at all. It was all about biblical interpretation. Yeah, and that that was my biggest struggle, especially being on a campus ministry for four years, um, seeing, in a lot of ways, I kind of saw as being on the front lines of the battle that was going on. And the the thing that I struggled with the most was um, the diversity of theology, Diversity is right. a great thing. I'm not saying it's not, but when it's so diverse that you can't even agree on who Jesus is, um, right. that's when I think it goes beyond healthy diversity into um, an area that I wasn't comfortable serving the church in any longer. Um, and right. and um, you know, I'm not saying that other ideas and thoughts and stuff aren't good. I think iron sharpens iron, and it's it's good that we don't all think alike. But I do think that there are some core foundational things that those in a church must agree upon. Right. And those are the things that I did not see in agreement across the board in the United Methodist Church um, that I was no longer comfortable with. And so that, for me, was my reason why I didn't feel like I was supposed to be United Methodist anymore is because— I felt and thought so differently than other people within the same denomination. It didn't make sense to me that we could have that diverse an understanding of who Jesus is and what mm-hmm. the Bible is, and yet still 
somehow be under the same umbrella. It didn't make sense to me. And and again, that that goes to the issue really of biblical interpretation. Yeah. Uh, sexuality is going to sell the paper. It's going to get you know on the news, and and people want to hear about that. And again, it's a stance that the church takes that is counter to culture. If culture is embracing it, it's counter to culture. Uh, but that the sexuality stuff was symptom, not the problem. Yeah. And, you know, what you're saying, again, was in line with what other churches said, is when we talk about biblical interpretation, it's not just the disagreement over what the scriptures say about sexuality, but what the scriptures say about the nature and character of God, the divinity of Christ, the uh, the authority of Scripture, right. like all, all of these things are so important to me, anyways, and and it's hard to do ministry uh, under an umbrella that doesn't agree on those things. I didn't even know how to have foundational conversations when I would say, "Well, you know, Scripture says this." Well, I don't believe Scripture is the authority, you know, the Word of God or whatever. Right. And it's like, well, then I don't even know where we where we start to have conversations, right? And so all those things were involved in the disfiliation process. Uh, Josh and I were both part of our what we called Holy Conversations team, where we we're writing on a whiteboard. What are the pros? What are the cons? And we we really considered should we stay United Methodist, but our uh, Holy Conversations team was unanimous. That was not the best future that God had in store for us. And kind of the deal breaker, if you will, and th this was my issue was the ungovernability of the United Methodist, you know, church. That when you read the Book of Discipline, that was our covenant. And we're going to talk about Covenant Sunday in worship, and you'll hear more about why I think that's important. But when you say this is how we will live in in unity and in practice, uh, this is how we're going to operate, and there's just outright defiance. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. We don't care what the book of discipline says. We don't care what, you know, scripture interpretation you have. We're not going to do that. And when it, your system is ungovernable, it's broken. Yeah. The, the covenant that we shared was broken. And so we said, you know what, we're going to take this exit path and we're going to uh, leave the United Methodist Church, but we don't want to be, you know, separated from and disconnected from other believers. We did not want to be an independent church. So we said, we're going to get on the ground floor of this new thing called the Global Methodist Church. Still Wesleyan in its basic ideas of understanding of doctrine, still Wesleyan in its understanding of polity, which we understand our polity in the GMC may change some, but our doctrine is, is the core, those foundational statements yeah. that we did. And so I always want to be clear. I've said this before. Uh, I guess, you know, being on the podcast, this is going to be out there for anybody that wants to, to watch. Our big issue was the ungovernability and the brokenness of covenant um, that, you know, we're not angry at the United Methodist Church. Uh, I personally choose to bless people in the United Methodist Church. I hope they are very effective at fulfilling the mission they believe God has given to them. But I am very excited to be a part of the Global Methodist Church, even though it's kind of scary sometimes. And so when we disaffiliated, those were our reasons. But as we look at 23, the question is, what effect did that have on our congregation? And one of the things that we knew would happen uh, regardless of whether we decided to stay or leave, is we were going to lose families from the church. And and that was a very difficult thing. You know, you're talking about, I've been here three and a half months and I'm forming these relationships. And, and I think primarily of one family that uh, my son Jonathan was close to, still close to him, uh, just differently. Uh, we knew they were going to show up and they were going to vote the opposite of us. And when their vote did not prevail, they chose to leave the church, and that was very hard. Uh, we lost yeah, an was, entire Sunday school class. Yeah, it was painful for me, and I'd only been here three months. So I can only imagine the the amount of pain and hurt uh, that people who had been longtime members or uh, people who attended St. Andrew's, the pain that they felt from relationships mm -hmm. uh, and people leaving that they'd known for years and right. years and years. So. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was tough. It was very painful. And, you know, and, uh, the effect then is when you're 
losing church members and you're losing families, um, you're some people lost relationships. You know, I, I would say I lost some relationships. Although when I see those people, there's no animosity. Yeah. We just understand we had different visions for what the church should be. Uh, but on the other side, for our church, people leave. They take their money with them. And we knew coming into uh, this year that finances, we had a lot of questions. We had more questions than we had answers. Um, we also knew a couple of other things would happen. Even as we lost families, we knew that there were other church members and other United Methodist churches that communicated clearly with us. We're watching St. Andrews. We're going to see uh, what happens to St. Andrews in the midst of this. And some of them said, and if our church you know, chooses to go this way, um, we, we don't know that we can stay in our church anymore. And I think primarily of a few families we had that were driving from Chickasha, 30-minute drive to get here, although on Sunday mornings there's not a lot of traffic. Right. Um, and, you know, one of them was a good friend that I went to uh, college with at OCU, and he told me, he said, you know, we need a GMC church in Chickasha, which they have now started. He said, but right now we need a landing place. We need a soft spot to catch our breath before we try anything. And so the the effect of our disaffiliation, membership, finances, that was hard, but also positive effect that we're giving encouragement and courage to other people to say, you know, we can do something different. And so um, when we talk about disaffiliation, that that's really, I just felt like that was a, our decision at the end of 22 really affected us in 23. Uh, we are now part of the Heartland Provisional Annual Conference. I won't explain all that unless you sign up for Methodism 101, in which case I will explain that fancy nomenclature. Um, but uh, I'm really enjoying and being challenged by being part of the Global Methodist Church. And yeah, yeah, and it's fun living into our new identity and discovering what that looks like and, and, and all of that stuff. Um, because honestly, the Globe Methodist church is doing the same thing. They're, you know, building the bridge as we're crossing it. Right. And, and I, I would want everybody to know that, uh, our, our missing piece today, last year, Bonnie was Bonnie Coates. Now she is pastor Bonnie Coates, because Bonnie has been ordained in the Global Methodist Church. She is a deacon, and, and we're excited about Bonnie and being able to call her Pastor Bonnie. So that was the first challenge we had, disaffiliation. Second one we had was the unexpected uh, shattering of the, I guess it's steel pipe that was our water main that burst and flooded our church. Uh, that happened ironically we were officially no longer united methodists on november 4th and i think it was no, three weeks later on november 25th when the water main burst and flooded our building uh, we had to move everything out of our main building out of our worship space out of our offices out of uh, the nursery area um, and so we had to worship in the gym uh, we had to office all of us but our secretary, Tierra, for church staff, had to office in half of the youth room, uh, which was, we were so glad we had that, but we don't miss all being <laughs> together. We kind of like our own space. Um, and the flood was going to further uh, challenge our financial situation. Um, so essentially, we had four months of transition Um I think the good thing about the flood, because God can certainly bring good out of anything bad that happens, is it got our eyes off disaffiliation. We, we had something else we had to focus on and be concerned about in the midst of that. Uh, we had the word of the year remain, which was something that uh, you felt God laid on your heart whenever we had a night of prayer and praise. And, it you know, again, the funny thing is, why are we remaining when we're just leaving the United right. Methodist Church? Yeah, the irony there. Uh, but we focused on remaining fruitful. That was such a, a great, powerful series I think we did uh, through, what well, we do that through Lent, I guess. Uh, you know what? I'm trying to remember. So through Lent, we, we were looking at John. Um, we're, and 
the the vine and the branches. John 15. And then it was out of Lent after Easter that we did remain fruitful leading into the summer, I believe. I was thinking that's we did remain fruitful, John 15, and then we did fruit of the Spirit to uh, define you know what, what that fruit was. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. <laughs> I've slept a few times, but I think you're right. That sounds, that sounds like... And, that and, sounds accurate. And then we remain grounded looking at the Apostles' Creed. Right, so, right. Uh, but if, if anybody was affected in their the execution of their ministry, the execution of their responsibilities, it was Jeff <laughs> Smith. Uh, I don't know if y'all are aware of this, but when this building flooded and we had to shut everything off, one of the things that did, and I didn't even think about this for a while, was it shut off our fire suppression system. And so... Uh, Jeff, being the the selfish, God-loving person he is, didn't tell anybody uh, that he was going to take care of all that so that we could share in that. But Jeff, how long did you spend the night at the church getting up in the middle of the night to make sure everything was okay because we didn't have fire suppression? Yeah, so I was up here for, uh, it was almost about three weeks almost. So it was, it was, uh, a challenging time for that, not only for myself but my family, and and still maintaining our uh, uh, Sunday morning rituals and stuff like that. That, that all that stuff wouldn't be affected. But yeah, yeah, it was it was quite the enduring. <laughs> I, and, and of course, when I said you were selfish, I was being sarcastic. Oh, absolutely. I think you were staying up here for two weeks before I even knew you were doing it. Josh brought it up in staff meeting. It's like, dude. You need to let some of the rest of us help you with this. Yeah, but. and the the reason for that, is, like legally, I guess if you don't have the fire, uh, yep. So you have to have someone here twenty four seven. Is that the reasoning behind it? Yep, yep, pretty much. So uh, for insurance purposes and everything else, since we did not have the fire alarm active and we had no fire suppression, uh, arsonists could have came in here and uh, could have really set us back a little bit further. But but that's the reasoning for all that. Hey, I didn't even know that was a thing until yeah. a year ago. Well, and if arsonists had come, basically they would have just burned the building. <laughs> there wasn't yeah. anything in here <laughs> because it was all uh, in storage units out in our parking lot. Um, but, you know, I don't know if most of y'all are aware, Jeff's job is director of facilities and audiovisual technology. And when we hired him, we said, look, facilities management, that's only about a quarter of your job. Uh, we, we really want to focus on the digital. Uh, and, oh, my goodness, talking to insurance companies, talking to contractors, talking with our uh, liaison with the group we hired to do the mitigation for it. Jeff, you just did over and above all that. Uh, you, you want to tell some of the – uh, stuff you got to do that there aren't people enough, don't know about? There aren't enough hours in the day <laughs> oh my for uh, facilities to only have been 25% of his job during all of that. I, I think it was 25 sure. hours a day. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but no, yeah, uh, like like you said, um, you know, just uh, scheduling all that, um, juggling juggling all those aspects, but we had a lot of good that came out of all that. Uh, we had all brand new carpet, brand new tile. Uh, all that was upgraded from what we originally had. Uh, we had fresh paint throughout the entire main building. Uh, we had landscaping, uh, that was done, uh, just due to, we had to excavate to get down to where the pipe leak was. Um, uh, covered all permits, um, moving, uh, the storage facilities, fees for everything that we had out in the parking lot, moving everything back in, um, equipment rentals, uh, um, you know, uh, cleaning of that equipment and sterilization. That's, that's quite expensive. Uh, power washing, uh, you know, all the mud, grit and sand that uh, accumulated just basically everywhere. Um, foundation repair. So everything that was washed, uh, kind of, uh, underneath our foundation, we got all that repaired. Uh, but one of the biggest things that was a blessing in disguise is that we discovered that there was mold, and we were able to right. get all of that mold. completed. Black mold. Dangerous mold. Dangerous. And uh, we were able to find that in numerous areas and uh, be able to get that remediated so uh, we, we could maintain the health of everybody that walks through these doors. And we did all that with the price tag of $27,200. Yeah, and that is... Uh, clap your hands, raise your hands, shout hallelujah, 
moment because again, we financially are like, how are we going to handle the disaffiliation stuff? And now we know we're going to have all this expense from having to put stuff back together and God provided. Yeah. I mean, it was a stressful few months just when you think about all of that. Um, the fact that we had kind of, if I remember correctly, going into 2023, we had kind of laid a budget thinking we were going to be dipping into X amount of dollars that we have in reserves. Right. And the the flood complicated that. Um, and so to look back and to see how God provided through all of that. Um, and uh, I believe, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe we, we finished 2023 in the black as a church yes. rather than dipping into our reserves and finishing in the red. So to think that we were going to, you know, possibly was 130,000, I think is what we had earmarked as possibly needing to dip into. Right. And to think that we didn't have to dip into any of that because of God's provision throughout. Uh, I mean, praise God for all of that. Right. And and so that was one of the other impacts that hit us was the financial impact. And coming into 2023, I just remember talking to our finance committee and talking to them about how we're going to do budget. We talked in our administrative council. This is why we're recommending this budget was just to keep everything the same, knowing we had lost families, knowing they had lost uh you know, they're giving to God, knowing that we now have this flood that we're probably going to have expenses. We said, let's keep the budget the same, but we knew we were going to be short on income for that to happen. And we have reserves. We've always been conservative financially in case stuff happens. Yeah. Uh, and we had depleted a lot of our reserves to disaffiliate. Right. Uh, but we had enough that we budgeted $130,000 in case we ever needed to dip into it. We never needed to dip into it. But the, the expense that we did have, thanks to disaffiliation, was we had borrowed half the money for our disaffiliation fees. And that was $475,000. But if you really want to make it sound heavy, almost half a million dollars right. that we had to, to borrow for this. We had payments of $10,000 a month. Uh, on a loan that was not part of the 2022 budget. It was a new part of that. And the loan repayment, we knew when we took out the loan that probably we were told in February, maybe the end of January, it turned out to be the end of February, there would be a rebate from the conference on those fees because of how they figure unfunded pension liabilities. You know, that stuff kind of makes my eyes gla glaze right. over. But uh, we received a refund back for $212,000 and some change. So almost half of that was paid back. Immediately sent that to reduce our loan payment back. Sent it to the uh, Sooner State Bank. Greg Vandiver, thank you for helping us with the loan. Um, but we still have this $10,000 a month. And now it's March and we're just two years in and we're watching stuff really closely. Uh, but we also knew there was a possibility that we might be able to receive employee retention credits, ERCs, which is essentially a grant from the government. Um, and we received enough in the ERCs that it paid off our loan. We, we had taken out a five-year, 60-month loan, and God provided, and we paid it off in 10 months. Yeah, that's, that's, that's incredible. Just amazing. And so going into 2024, I would tell you that our, our budget – looks much more positive. Again, I was kind of freaking out going in the budget process, started looking at the numbers. And I thought, wow, this is, this is really good. Uh, because we no longer have that $120,000 item in the expense category to pay off a loan. That part is gone. Um, the reduced income we had from families that left has been also offset by reduced expenses. Uh, our connectional giving, I mentioned this earlier, uh, our connectional giving in the United Methodist Church, and this is where our disaffiliation fees came in, was $180,000 a year of our budget. That was 15.5% of our budget was for this bureaucracy that really didn't help us do mission at all. Right. Uh, in the Global Methodist Church, last year it was basically – 26,000, 2% instead of 15 and a half. 
Global Church is growing. This year, it's actually going to be 4%. We figure our connectional giving will be off uh, somewhere between forty-five and and 50000 But again, uh, God provides. And yes, when people are faithful in their stewardship, that's it. So anyhow, th- those are some of the, you know, the, the, the flood, the disaffiliation had an impact on finances, on facilities. But let's talk about ministry. That's really what we are about. Our mission is making disciples of Jesus Christ who worship passionately, who love extravagantly, and witness boldly. We're going to be discussing that a lot in January. Um, But one of the things that was very hard was the families that left, a lot of them were families with children and youth, and that yeah. had a big impact. Your pastor of discipleship, what challenges did you see that that presented for children or youth? And yeah, so it's it's several things. I mean, it's it's uh, you know we we lost children, youth that we cared deeply for, and so there's the pain of losing them. Um, we lose their their parents who we care about, but also right. who we relied on to serve in children's ministry right. and serve at VBS. And to be able to do a lot of the ministry that we do, we need ministers. Um, and so it was as these families left, it was the children leaving, but it was also ministers leaving that helped us accomplish making disciples of Jesus. And so um, I know that we had a, a big hit in children's ministry. And, um, and so... Uh, you know, the last year has been, um, you know, how do we how do we begin to to grow in the this area, this ministry of our church again? How do we, um, you know, when you've so much momentum is going one direction, how do you shift that momentum to start going the other direction? And so, a lot right. of the work this past year in children and in youth um, and in discipleship in general has been how do we, how do we start attracting families again? How do we, you know, provide Bible studies and midweek and, and programming in children's and programming in youth? And how do we, you know, solidify things in the nursery so that parents and guests that come feel confident that they can leave their children in the nursery while they worship or go to Sunday school? And, and so all of those things we've uh, been intentional about really trying to up the the uh, the game or the quality of and the experience of for the the youngest of our church um so that families when they come here feel confident that this is a a healthy church that they want to be a part of so i'm, I'm going to brag on you just a little bit your pastor of discipleship uh, this is one of the shifts we made when we brought josh on is he's now going to supervise that staff i don't supervise them it used to be like everybody reported to me and that was ineffective and uh you know, we created a position for you to come in. And and the panic is, what do we have to do to get people to come? What do we have to do to get people to come back? And that was never your response. Uh, being new, uh, you were able to say, we can't control if people left. What can we control? We can control the system that we put in place to help us be effective with children and families. And so Bonnie was hired. Bonnie is not, we didn't really hire her to be our children's minister. Right. We said, we want you on staff. This is what we can offer you right now. Cause she had experience in that. So, uh, now you are uh, day-to-day supervising your wife. <laughs> right. Well, Bonnie and April both came on about say, the same and time. And we hired April. And, and they've done an incredible job in the, areas of nursery and children, um, institute, you know, implementing a new check-in system. Uh, you know, we didn't really have a check-in system in place except for, you know, here's the print off check that your child's here. Um, and so now we, we've got an actual check-in system for, for children, um, and nursery, um, you know, the flood caused the nursery to have to completely move. And so April worked really hard at creating a safe, nursery environment down in the CLC area Mm -hmm. for families. And thankfully we've been able to move back into that. They've, uh, you know, they uh, created a new, um, you know, soothing room or nursing room for, for moms. And, Um, and, and by that, if if a young mother has a child and we've we've got a new family in our church just joined and they have an infant, mm -hmm. uh, if, if she suddenly needs to 
take care of her child, soothe her child, nurse her child, whatever it might be. She doesn't miss worship because there's a monitor that she can right. stay in the soothing room. Yeah, and it's right there on the nursery hall, right right outside the doors of the, the sanctuary. And so they've been putting in a lot of work of implementing check-in, making things more safe, making sure we're safe sanctuary compliant, which that's just simply we want to make sure that we protect and take care of our kids. And so there's certain adult to kid ratios you have to mm-hmm. have and and all those things that were you know uh best practice stuff for churches we're doing all of those things now making sure background i mean all of those things to ensure the safety of our children and to uh to be able to safely make disciples of of everyone both the adults and the 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 children one of the kind of rules of thumb about church staff is People get attracted to, feel connected to certain people. And so anytime you have a staff change, you lose people. Yeah. And so in that sense, with the staff change with Bonnie and, and April coming in, uh, it was not unexpected that some families would say, now, now we're going to look around. Uh, it was hard. Again, some of them... It was because they disagree with this affiliation. Some just, we don't know what's happening here. Uh, we feel uncomfortable. We're going to look around. Um, but putting the system in place, and, and by the system, I, I would say you get the right people. That's the key to it. And with Bonnie coming in and using her experience, April coming in, wow, game changer, you know, to, to help with those young families. Uh, that was really important for children's ministry. And we started to see new families coming with children. I, I asked Bonnie today, I said, Hey, I was wanting you to comment on this. I said, when you were doing children's church, what'd you have? Like, you know, eight, 10 kids. She goes, Oh no, no. We had five. She goes, I said, well, what are you having now? You have like 25. She goes 25 or 30. So we're seeing growth. We laid the foundational groundwork so that we were ready when things began to happen. And, and I just thought that was so important. Yeah. And, and we're hoping to see even more. I mean, we're, we're now implementing as we begin looking at 2024 and, and stuff. And I know we're reflecting back, but the things that I'm excited about are there's going to be a new starting next Thursday, uh, or no, this starting Thursday, this Thursday, two days, two days yeah. a new mom's Bible study with childcare provided on Thursday mornings from 10 to 1130. Um, and April's going to be leading that and uh, we're going to be starting more and more of these types of things um, to to uh, to begin to try to attract and disciple, you know, because we don't want to just do events for events' sake right. and try to bring a bunch of people. And there's a time and a place for those things. We we've got the fam- Easter uh, family hop dance that will be coming up mm-hmm. again in March, and we do those types of things, but we always want to be funneling to discipleship. And so that's one of the new things I'm really excited about for 2024 that it, it it is, uh, a year ago, um, we didn't necessarily have a need for it based on the numbers. There was a need for it because we needed to grow in that area, but now it's not just, we need to have it because we hope to grow. We've seen growth to the point of, now we can do this and there's going to be people coming and hopefully even more will come. And so that's, it's, it's a night and day. I mean, when I look back on January 2nd, 2023 to January 2nd, 2024, um, I mean, what God has done and his faithfulness, the new people that have come, the the new exciting things that we're doing as a staff that we'll be doing going into this year um, is just incredible to think about. And I think that, mother's Bible study is going to be critical. It will help us do two things. Number one, we actually had a family that came for a couple of Sundays. She grew up in the church. They had left. They came back. But she looked around. She said, where are all the people my age? That that was a critical question. The other thing is uh, we have not probably leveraged our relationship with our schools and those families the way we should. So we're hoping some of the Moms for Blessed Beginnings Preschool, St. Andrew's Christian School, uh, would be attracted to a Bible study. It's going to be on Thursday when their kids aren't in school. Yeah, and it's all out in the MTC. And out. and so they they will be able to still have childcare even just to go to Bible study. Yeah. But so children is one area. The other area is youth. Yeah, uh, and the biggest impact there, while we were impacted some number wise because some of the families that left had mm-hmm. youth. Um, 
but really the biggest impact for us was uh, camps. Uh, because the camps that we were a part of, we knew we were no longer going to be a part of right. heading into 2023. And so we went to two. Yeah. We would not have been welcomed. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we've been, we went to two new camps, Disciple Camp for Middle School and uh, still called Day Spring, but it was the other Day Spring that we attended with our high school students. And, uh, you know, our students have been through a lot of change over the last few years. I mean, really mm-hmm. going back to covid staffing changes, programming changes, uh, just a lot of change. And so, um, I've been really impressed with, with their commitment and, and, uh, especially the seniors that we have are incredible leaders and have led through all of that. But anytime things change, it's hard. And when it feels like it's one thing after another, um, you know, if I was 17, I might go, well, I don't even want to go anymore, but yeah. we haven't, they actually upped their commitment. And, uh, so we took, uh, all these students to, to the new camps. Our students had an incredible, incredible experience. Um, there's a lot of excitement moving forward with the camps that we're a part of. The camps we were part of before were great, um, but they just were no longer an option for us. And so, mm-hmm. um, and so that was the, the biggest, uh, biggest hit probably was having to change that because with camp, you know, it's a different campground, it's different churches, it's different relationships, relationships that yeah. you've had for ever since you've been going to camp. And all of a sudden you're at camp with different people and you had these memories of things at one campground and, Oh, I remember five years ago, that's where I gave my life to Christ. Or I remember this, that and all of a sudden you're at a new campground and, and, uh, just their response and their commitment through it all uh, blew me away. And well, so we had and, a great summer of, of new camps. And again, another big impact was the graduating seniors of 22, the year we choose to disaffiliate, they're all freshmen in college. Right. That was a, a large group, strong leadership. Some of them are still hanging around. Uh, but yeah, all those things together, uh, it's like, mm, what are we doing? But again, some different things were done in, in youth ministry. Uh, Primarily, I'm thinking of Memphis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this year we we took our first mission trip since before COVID. Not just the first mission trip in the youth group, but I believe first mission trip as a church. And we're hoping to for that to change over the next few years. We are going to be taking our students back to Memphis uh, in March, and uh, really excited about that. Um, it was a great experience for the 20 people who went. We had seven adults, 13 students. This year, we're now taking 20 students seven adults. Um, so we've seen growth there. Uh, but it's a, it's a different culture. Um, you get to go and lead a vacation Bible school and do some, uh, missional projects around the community. Great experience for our students and and leaders and excited to, uh, to be taking them back this year. Mm -hmm. Um, we also, uh, uh, hired, uh, a college minister and youth associate, which Paige has been doing an incredible job building relationships within. I know those my daughter families. absolutely loves her. Yeah, and and bringing her gifts and her strengths and her passions for ministry and and specifically apologetics uh, to to uh, the church, which is incredibly important for this age group. And uh, and so when I look back on 2023, and I look, I know that hiring April and Bonnie was at the end of 2022, but in my mind, I still see it as all kind of the same yeah. building momentum to where we are today and looking at the things that we have planned and that we're looking to do in 2024. Um, and it's only because of God's faithfulness that all of that has been possible. And, and so yeah. it's definitely a testimony to God's faithfulness when we reflect back on 2023 and we see all that God did through, you know, Going into it, it's kind of like, man, we disaffiliated. That cost a lot of money. The flood, that cost a lot of money. Um, and and God just showed up in incredible ways this year. And it makes me that much more excited for 2024. So let's hit a few highlights of some things. Uh, we told you we were going to go over 30 minutes today. I'm going to try to keep us to an hour. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but uh, one of the uh, great things that happened at St. Andrews, uh, we turned 30 last year. Our church turned uh, 30 years. We had our 30th celebration. We invited former uh, pastors to come back. Bob and Kathy Foss were here. David Johnson was here. Jamie Kirby and his family were here. Jamie was a worship leader once upon a time. And, of course, we gave everybody a T-shirt that said, remember, because we did a lot of remembering of things, not, again, to relive the good old days when the church was on this rapid growth uh, trajectory, but to remember 
God and, and what God had done in our midst. And then we, we talked about remain, our word for the year, our theme for the year. That's when we started the Remain Grounded series on the Apostles' Creed. And then we felt like we needed a third word, and so we went with revive. Um, I actually had toyed about that being our word for the year for this year, but we're not doing that. And I may say why on Sunday and explain that in the sermon. But uh, seeing people that, even though they're no longer at St. Andrews, they're still in South Oklahoma City, and they came back and it was just such a great time to see them. Great momentum builder as we were stepping into the fall. Uh, Another great experience we had was uh, Sleep in Heavenly Peace national ministry that builds beds or their theme is no child in my town sleeps on the floor tonight. Uh, We did that in June outside in the parking lot and it was a blessed cloudy day (laughs) that helped it to to stay cool. We built over uh, 20 beds that day and we, we had such a great experience. Mission for senior adults, for children, just all ages were involved. Uh, I know Jeff had actually forgotten about the one in June, and he was upset. He he came here in October when we did it again. Jeff, do you have any comments you want to throw in about Sleep in Heavenly Peace and that mission experience? Oh, that was absolutely wonderful. If you guys have not had that opportunity, uh, please come out to our next one, especially if you like working with your hands, power tools. They actually give <laughs> us all power tools to use. Uh, but, yeah, that's that, that was such a uh, mind-blowing setup, how they had that all, uh, like, assembly line set up um it was, it was just a terrific thing and being able to talk to the organizers and and the people that are from sleep in heavenly peace how they uh um how passionate they are uh, of what they do and being able to hear some of the stories of them delivering the beds is just um it tugs at your heart for sure i know that uh, some of our folks actually went with them we we we, we don't construct the beds we just put them together uh headboard, footboard, side rails, all that, um, so that when they deliver them, people go and set the bed up. And we had some people that did that. And if y'all, I'm going to get this wrong, so y'all correct me. If not, it's going to sound really impressive, you know, going to overestimate. But from what I understand, we had some of our folks go to help set up. They went to a house where there were 10 people living there, and they delivered eight beds to that house. Eight out of ten people were not sleeping in a bed, and God blessed them, and and we were able to join God in, in what they were doing. Um, another thing that uh, kind of toward the end of the year was uh, the longest tenured staff person in 25 of our 30 years, Laura Aldridge, who had been children's minister, uh, but she was our director of membership and care. Uh, Laura hit the place of retirement. Uh, she just knew everything about that church, this church. She knew people. She was always reminding me of stuff. Uh, I don't know if Laura is watching. Laura, we love you. We celebrate with you. Uh, it has been hard not to call you and say, hey, by the way, I want you to know this, but I'm trying to honor your retirement. Uh, January 14th, we're going to celebrate Laura. Uh, one of the things we're going to invite people to do is give to a money tree to bless her for that service. So I'll go ahead and let you know that part of it now. Uh, but what that has done is it's created a, a vacancy on our staff. And once again, the easy thing would just be, oh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're not doing that because we feel like this is a great opportunity. What what does our church need staffing-wise? And so um, – Josh and Bonnie and I have been doing some preliminary work on that. Uh, Staff Parish Relations Committee actually has a final say of, yes, we think your plan is good, or you guys are just whack, you know, (laughs) whatever they may say. Um, So when we think of 2023, a challenging year, um, God moved mountains. Yeah. But as I've been reading on Facebook, sometimes when you ask God to move a mountain, he hands you a shovel. Right. And so we, we've been doing the digging and the plowing. Uh, we are blessed as a church uh, to have just good staff that are committed to the mission and vision of St. Andrews. We have good people committed to living into that mission, uh, helping us to continue to pursue the vision of what God wants us to be. 
And so in, in preparing for this, I was trying to think, if I were to describe uh, the status of our church, you know, state of the church address, podcast to do this, what would I use? And I picked out a word, and then today I read an article that just shook my world to death. But the, the word that I thought is, we're stable. We're, we're no longer in this panic. Are we going to be able to have all the income we need? Are we going to be able to, you know, get new people, you know, all the things. If y'all don't know, pastors feel more energized when there's more people here. <laughs> it's not that we do things any differently, but it just feels easier when you have a good crowd. We feel like things are stable. Some of the people came from Chickasha. We're blessing them as they start a, a new church. Um, some people in North Oklahoma City starting a new church. We're we're blessing that. Our church is stable, but if we choose to just stay stable, we're probably going to decline. And that is not who God calls us to be. That is not what we desire. Stable is like, well, sta okay. Stable is a great place to be when you look at the turbulence of the last right. four years, right? Right. I and mean, that's, that's reality. I think of it as someone in the hospital that there's a, a great trauma and they've gone to the emergency room and, and they're in the ER and they're doing the work and the doctors get them to a place of being stable. Yeah, you feel good about That's that. That's a great place to be. You don't want to stay there, though. No. Right? You don't want to stay in that bed at the hospital stable. You want to then recover fully and thrive and, and live mm. again. And, and that's what the hope and prayer is for us is that we've had a turbulent four-year run and uh, and we're at a place where it feels like things are stable, but they can't stay there. Yeah. We, we then have the work to do, like you said, of making disciples and growth and becoming who God, all God has called us to be. I was going to say, God, God has provided endlessly and more than we probably would understand. But now God's asking us the question, are y'all going to continue to... To do this in in my name. So, uh, closing thoughts, Jeff. You have any closing thoughts today? No closing thoughts from Jeff. Closing Josh? thought for me was uh, I, I was reminded of uh, the first point Bonnie made in her sermon Sunday. Uh, John the Baptist coming to celebrate the old way. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know the difficulty of uh, transitions um, and uh, a healthy way through transitions is celebrating the old way. And I feel like. We've done that today. We've mm -hmm. looked back. We've reflected. We've celebrated. God is good, um, but we can't stay there, right? Right. We, we've got a place that He's calling us to, and excited to to lead in that and and to to go where that wherever that is and whatever that looks like. I read this morning that January is named after the Roman god Janus. Not that we're going to get into any Roman god worship here, but Janus is that picture you see of a man with two faces looking in opposite directions. And January is a time, as Bonnie said, we look back, we celebrate. Uh, you know, I appreciate the old hymn, through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. Uh, his grace has brought us safe thus far. His grace is going to lead us home. God has a future for us, and we will embrace that future with its challenges, with its victories, uh, with its struggles, because God has been faithful. That's what we learned in 2023. Friends, thank you for uh, joining us on the podcast today. God bless you. Hope we see you Sunday, 9 o'clock, 1030 worship services, children's church at 1030, children's Sunday school, youth Sunday school, some adult Sunday school classes at 9 o'clock. Communion Sunday. Communion Sunday, covenant renewal. Already given a few teases. We'll see you Sunday. <laughs>